Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Welcome to the Bugs and Beards podcast. Tonight we have two very special guests with us. Um, joining us are Rich Ferrara and Ben True of the National Fly Fishing League. And just like always, we have me, Nick Malloy, Sean Holsinger, and Pat Smith with us as hosts tonight. Um, I'll kick this one off. Uh, Rich, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, Rich Ferrara uh, from uh, Anita, Pennsylvania. I am 32 years old. I've been fly fishing since I was about 12 and have been competing for the last four years, five years. So still fairly new, but kind of starting to feel like I know a little bit about what I'm doing. Um, but nothing, nothing real exciting. Just like to fish and really enjoy competing when I can. So pretty much all, all for me, but... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us tonight, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, my name is Ben True. Uh, I am the commissioner of the National Fly Fishing League. Uh, I've been competing for the past seven years. Um, and I currently live in, in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. Um, also get a, get a chance to get out there and um, run some of the competitions uh, that we get to do. Um, I'm also a, a teacher at one of the local high schools in central Pennsylvania as well. So. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, um, I have a little bit of connection to you guys because my son competes with you guys. And uh, every now and then I have a blast going and watching them. I'm probably going to have to pick up the rod here and join you guys one of these times. But I'm looking forward to it. i got a lot of some questions and things like that. I think it's going to be a good show, and we want to have an informative show for our guests today. Um, try to break down some of the myths and things about fly, fi fly fishing competition and find out how it got started and all those kind of things. So I'm looking forward to talking to you. Pat, you got anything to... Uh, other than I met you guys on Instagram and talked with you on Facebook, but... I'm looking forward to getting into this. I am very old compared to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> at 46, hey, I would give anything a shot. Yeah. Heck yeah. Let's uh, let's dive into it. How did the league get started? And like, where's it at? Where where's most of your competitions and that kind of thing? Let's get into that end of it. Yeah, um, we started the league officially last year. Uh, most of us used to compete in uh, another league that, that, uh, that kind of went away there for a little while. Um, and we have a lot of the same people that are, that are still involved um, with it. A lot of our competitions are held in, here in central Pennsylvania. Um, we do have a few that uh, are held in like central New York area. Um, we partner with Team USA as well. So a lot of the Team USA events also count towards our league. Um, so that ends up allowing people to travel basically all over the country. Um, there were competitions last year, regionals last year in Colorado. Uh, we've had them in North Carolina, 
New York, Pennsylvania, uh, Wyoming. For the most part, the the National Fly Fishing League then is based in the Pennsylvania, the East Coast area, but you're affiliated with the U.S. fly fishing team. So. That's that's correct. Um, we are hoping to and, and working towards expanding that a little bit more as well. Um, we do hopefully, or we are trying to make it truly national. Right. Um, start getting some competitions. We we currently have people from eight different states that are already registered for the 2019 season. So we are trying to grow and expand. Um, you know, there's been talks about trying to get out and hold some competitions in Colorado. Uh, one person has already approached me about maybe something in Northern California as well. So wow. we're trying to go west a little bit. And then we do have teams that are starting up from North Carolina as well. So hopefully we'll start being able to make our way down there and have some competitions a little bit closer to home for some of those guys and girls that are fishing there too. Yeah, that would be great if, you know, you get to North Carolina and then you can get in between. That's there would be a lot of area that the Pennsylvania guys that are dominantly in it could, you know, venture south pretty easily. Yeah, and Pennsylvania has, I mean, the the most amount of people that have registered for the league or that have been competing in the league are from Pennsylvania. Right. Um, but New York, Virginia, Maryland, uh, North Carolina. So it's mostly an East Coast thing right now, but we are hoping to to expand a little bit. Well, how did what? I guess how did you come up with it? What was the brainchild behind it? Why did you start it? And um, so, like I had mentioned, we we all used to compete in a, in a different league, and and when that all kind of fell apart. We went for a couple years without um, a guy, Ken Crane, ended up putting together uh, the website Fly Comps, which was a platform for us to be able to hold competitions. So we would put our, our competitions um, up on that website, but there was no league or anything like that that was taking place that actually tallied any points yeah. or kept track no of No affiliation points. to anything. Right. It was right. just random competitions that we, we used to hold within the former league, but now... Right. Um, there was nothing, no points or anything like that that went towards that. We will need to put that in the notes of the show about fly comp. Yeah. That will need, yeah. definitely need to be one of the notes in the show. Yeah, um, Ken's done a great job with putting that together. It's a, it's a great resource that a lot of people use. Right. If you're interested in competing, that's the place to go to find the competitions. Right. That's where a yep. lot of the information's yep. Yep, registrations and all of that. Right. So, uh, 2019 season. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we just got into January here. Um, there's some big things. Uh, why do you guys think it will be better than last year's? Growing interest from people, I think. Um, you know, we get questions and stuff about it, people interested in doing it. Uh, new people starting up, uh, trying to find some new waters to host competitions on, too, I think is something we're kind of looking forward to we experimented a little bit last year with like the east branch of the clarion and that went well um so it, it kind of gives some locations outside of the norm where people that might not want to travel as far to central pa can go and so i think that's something of interest to some folks so rich when you say new waters um not apparently well not apparently but um, we found over the years that not every water, waterway, river, creek, it just doesn't work. Not right. everything works. So, yeah. you know, if you're listening to this and you want to think about hosting one, which is, you know, it's a big ask, but, yeah. you know, if you're interested in this, you know, down the road and you're like, man, I want to host one, that'd be a lot of fun. It, it is fun. But, um, 
there's some things that you should look for. What do you, sure. what are those things that uh, you look for? I would say uh, you know accessibility to the water is huge. Um, if you have a stream or something near you that has you know runs along a road where people can access their water easily, you have you know a good place where you know you can meet up before and after the comp to kind of go over things. That's always a plus. Um, good fish numbers, obviously. You know you, you want to have fair beats and things like that, so everybody's catching fish. But um, you know the nice thing with Pennsylvania is uh, we have more river miles than you know any any state except Alaska, I think. So the potential here is big you know if people want to do it and, and branch out uh there's certainly you know concerns obviously but i i i really would would like to see more, more of what this state has to offer as well as you know surrounding states too but um i think you know there's certainly a lot of untapped potential in in pa sure when you say beats just so uh mm -hmm. people might not know what that means what's a beat uh beat is your you know, at the beginning of the comp, every angler is assigned their beat, and that's their, their section of water that they're going to fish or control. They're, you know, kind of a to-be-determined length, uh, you know, a couple hundred yards usually, but that's, uh, you know, just to be determined, you need to have a, a section of river long enough to fit uh, enough beats for the comp. Uh, we can get in later, or we can do it now if you want, but kind of the breakdown of, you know, what a beat draw might look like or, or you know, what... What, what your day will look like when you go to a competition. But a beat is just your section of water that you're going to fish or judge. Right, that's actually good. I was just going to say that. Let's get into talking about how the competition works because there's a lot of people that don't understand the setup of a competition. Sure. Not even so much the rules, but how, you know, how the, how the just how it runs on a, on a daily basis, where you're fishing, mm -hmm. what you're doing when you're not fishing, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so, generally speaking, uh, let's say that we have a 24-person competition that's going on. Um, you'll have four groups. You have group A, B, C, and D um, that you will be placed into one of those groups based on whichever team it is that you're you're participating in. You do not have to be on a team to be able to participate in the league. Um, you can sign up as an individual, and then you will be added, you know, where needed. Um, to be able to fill to fill the spots, but if we do have a 24-person competition, um, it'll be broken down into groups of six, uh, four groups of six: so Group A, Group B, Group C, and Group D. Um, a and B is usually partnered together, and C and D will usually be partnered together. Um, we'll have what's called the draw, where each person, based off of whichever team they are on, is randomly assigned to a group, and um, that's where fly comps comes in. Uh, that automatically does that for us. We can just push a button and it puts people at random uh, in their groups and it randomly assigns people to the section of stream that they fish. Rich has already talked about what a, what a beat is. Um, so if you are in group A, we'll say you're fishing first. Uh, the person or people from group B will be one of the controllers. So they'll be on the bank um, with a score trough, which is just a piece of PVC with a a ruler sticker basically attached to the bottom of it and the score sheet so if if rich is in group a and i'm in group b and i happen to be rich's controller and rich is fishing uh, every time rich catches a fish he brings it over to me in the net and then i'll take it out i'll put it in the score trough and measure the fish quickly and then put it back in the stream and then i'll record how long that that fish was so that's generally speaking how that goes or what your day kind of looks like 
Um, sessions usually last around, on average, about two hours or so, uh, depending on the competition. We've had them anywhere from an hour and a half to three hour long sessions. Um, and that kind of gives you a breakdown. So the next session, so after Rich would be done with his two hour session, then I would be fishing. Rich may be my controller, somebody else from group, group A may be my controller at that point in time, but um, you switch up and you go to your, your location on the stream and uh, you get your chance to fish that. Right, and, and you would actually be going to a different section of stream. Correct. You, you wouldn't yeah. be fishing the section you just controlled because that would give you an advantage over over the guy who just fished it because you would see the lies and where the fish were hanging and what he did and exactly yeah you won't um you won't fish water that you've controlled and you usually do not fish the same water that your teammates are are fishing on as well right. um you know uh that's one of the nice things another nice thing about fly comps is ken's put a lot of algorithms into that and put a lot of work in there that tries to keep that separate so that nobody's getting an unfair advantage over anybody else right that's one thing that the scoring system is kind of a little bit different than most sports and stuff like that. And it, it, there's a little curve to learning that end of it, but it's all to make things fair. Like right. there's so much in it that makes things fair. That's it's, it's kind of weird to think how the scoring is done, but you actually win your beat and that gives you points. And then that plus how many fish you caught equals what, where you place in the tournament. And uh, so it, it, it's not just how many fish you caught in a day. Right, yeah, you have placing points and you have fish points. So when you're fishing your session, you get, you get 100 points for every fish that qualifies. So if there's a minimum size limit, a lot of times it's 18 centimeters. Um, so uh, if, there's a, if the fish ends up qualifying for that minimum score or size, you end up getting 100 points plus 20 points per centimeter. Um, at the end of your session, however many fish points you've accumulated, then actually puts you into first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth place, and that's how many placing points you get. That place in your beat, in your group. In your group, yes. Right. So group A competes directly against group A, group B directly competes against group B. Because you know, as I do, if you right. go through a session section of water and fish it first, yep. chances are you're going to have a better chance to catch a lot more fish than, than I would. Right. So that's that's how you level the playing field. Group A competes just against themselves. The six people in group A mm -hmm. and they'll have a first through third or first through fourth. Six. So, well, six, yeah, yeah I guess. Right. There, yeah. Right. But um and then it, it breaks it down and it makes it fair that way. I, I like I said, there was a big learning curve whenever we got into it to figure out the scoring and stuff like that. But but it was once you learn it it's really a fair way to fish. It is. It is. Um, it, you know, it's tough because every section of the stream is going to be a little bit different. And that's one of the things that a lot of us that do this really enjoy is it kind of forces you to fish some water that maybe you wouldn't normally. And it sometimes it ends up uh, helping you to realize that you like fishing some different water types a little bit better, too. So it helps improve your overall fishing experience. Well, while we're talking about different water, let's also add that lake fishing is part of the competitions too like i would never imagine casting a fly rod on canoe creek lake for trout it's a blast but it is. that's one of your competitions yep. and like i grew up fishing that lake for trout and stuff like that and we troll for them or ice fish for them yeah. would, would never even think of casting a fly rod out of a boat 
Yeah, that's been a growing aspect of, of what we've been doing. I mean, Team USA's had lakes in a lot of their competitions for a, a long time now. Um, we are starting to try to incorporate that a little bit more too. And a lot of the people that end up fishing them often really are starting to enjoy them more and more. Yep. It is an acquired taste. It is. But it's it's a lot of fun. Lakes are lakes are awesome. I really really enjoy fishing lakes. I, I would I'm with you, Sean. I would have never thought I would have ever pictured myself, you know, investing the time and you know certainly money and, and everything into everything it takes to, to fish a lake for trout. Um, but at once once I I did it and started doing it, I realized pretty quickly it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's a it's a very new challenge. So it's uh, I don't know. I I think it's. Uh, I, th- I think it's only going to get better as, as we go too. So well, the, and but the thing is, is like we're Pennsylvania guys, yep. and we don't think about it. We're stream fishermen. Uh, yep. I, on the other hand, with here at the shop at at Holsinger's Fly Shop here, we have a lot of customers out west, mm-hmm. and they're still water fishermen out there. Mm-hmm. Some of our you know our rod companies and stuff like that are from Colorado and things like that. Yep. And there, we went out to well whitening hackle we went out to whitening hackle one year and our our uh, dealer out there he was like do you ever fresh still water and we're like yeah right <laughs> you, you know and he's like well that's all we do out here float tubes and you yep. just float, float around the lake so we're just behind the curve on that actually i guess you would say mm-hmm. yeah i would say so i mean a lot of the you know you look at some of the regional events too and a lot of the guys that do very well are some of the western anglers because yeah. yep. They've got a lot more experience than, than some of the rest of us. We do have quite a few people in the East that have been doing it for a while. but Yeah. How much in the world level is that a factor? Huge. Yeah, yeah it's pretty big. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it, it seems like, at least recently, most of the world-level competitions have at least one lake session out of the five mm-hmm. that they compete in. Um, there's been talk about... I don't know, with Tasmania this, this year coming lakes. up, and I think yeah. it's supposed to be all lakes. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's um, weird, though. They're all like wild trout, and these like little, yeah. like, it's like flats, like you're, tro- like you're uh, fishing for redfish. From yeah. the photos I've seen, I don't know, but it, it looks wacky. It looks yeah. really neat. Yeah. I think they're timing it so that they're going to hit like a major mayfly hatch uh, during that. So I think it. I could be wrong on that. I'm sure you have another guest in the future that'll be able to verify that. But I think it's. Uh, it, I think they're trying to time it with a, like a major mayfly hatch that occurs in those lakes. Are they going to do it in the winter then? Because that's the southern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. They get their their spring is our fall. I'm not sure. I get they probably would do it in the fall then. Yeah, I would say in the fall. I think it is actually. Isn't it September? Yeah, um, that'd be like. I'm not sure. Be like I middle be winter or like midwinter for them, kind of. Right. I wonder if, uh, yeah, that'd be a crazy flight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because you have to drive, you have to go everywhere. Yeah. Like to Australia and then somewhere else and then maybe like, do they have any air like airports in Tasmania or is it just kind of like? I've never been there, so I don't know. <laughs> Me either. I mean, that's I'm just I'm thinking yeah. out loud here. Yeah. That's. Uh, I think wasn't Devin just over there? I think he, he was, was in New, New, Zealand. New Zealand. Well, yeah. it's basically the same right, thing. Yeah, right there. Fight off I wombats. Think they, I think they all, doesn't like Australia kind of like, I don't want to say own, but like yeah, I think those are islands govern. Kind of Tas- govern. Tasmania is one of Australia's islands, yes. New Zealand, I think, is its own, but Tasmania is, hmm. is a state, I think. Hmm. Hmm. Learn something new. Yeah. 
don't quote me on that, Google. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's one of the states of. Nice. Hmm. The, yeah, I, I saw the photos they put on their their site, their like hype site, and it was pretty neat looking. Yeah, it's yeah, all it's like, they don't stock whatsoever. Yeah. No. Yep. It's all wild. It's pretty neat. I thought so too. But we do. I mean, that is one of the nice things about around here. I mean, we have a lot of lakes that they stock and put a decent amount of fish in. So wish there were more, but yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. The only thing that's kind of lame about around here is it does. In the summer, you just like kind of put the stuff away until yeah. fall. And that, that, that's I think one of the biggest struggles with trying to be a good stillwater angler here in the east is the fact that we're pretty much done by July. Yeah. And then have to stop until fall. And then even like this fall, like I, none of the lakes I fished this fall, I, th- I thought really were you know other, other than you know like September, um, I didn't think they fished all that well. You know, some some did, some didn't, but it was not as good as the spring for sure, yeah. at least for me. But yeah, and then the problem with that is, is a lot of our competitions that we're doing. Yeah, you know, a lot of your stream competitions is going on the same time that you'd want to be on the lakes. So exactly. you've got to pick and choose a little bit. Yep, it's a double-edged sword. Yes, yep. it is. Well, most of your competition, what, what's, what's, how do I want to say? It? Most of them are comp, one-day competitions that are two. I know you have two-day competitions, but it's like so half and half, right? Yeah, we try mm-hmm. to have a. A mixture there, um, Richie. Wanted to... Yeah. Um, so as as far as that's concerned, I, I mean, we we usually you know through through especially the the peak of the season, you know, we'll have one two day competition at least a month, and then you know we're gonna you know certainly do you know minis and stuff this year. I think you know different you know the, the one and two day comps attract maybe different people. You know, some some folks just want to do one day competitions because they don't have a whole weekend to devote to a fly fishing competition and then other people just want to do the two days because it's more you know kind of it's a little more intense and stuff like that in the two i don't know if intense is the right word but it kind of is you know because it kind of puts you in a you know a different mindset to fish a two-day competition than a one so i think both are appealing to different people um i know the one day minis though i i think they're great because it's you know you, you don't you know have to tie up a whole weekend to do it uh, you know, you don't have to, you know, spend, you know, double the price on a hotel room if you don't want. You can come fish the comp, go home after, and, and you know, just wait for the next one. So I think both have, have a lot of appeal. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we're going to try to do a good mixture of both. So this way, try to please everybody, I guess. And that's one of the nice things about, about this is you can put as much time into the league as you want to, be as serious about it as you want to, or just go and have fun. I mean, for me... I run some of those uh, one-day minis, and I, I, I do some of the two-day events as well, and I personally prefer the two-day events because they're more, worth more points. So I look yeah. at it as if I'm devoting time on a weekend away from my family, I want to do one of the competitions that's going to earn me the most amount of points for the league. But, I mean, that's not how everybody looks at it, so we try to make sure that we have events to try to attract as many people as possible. There's a lot to be learned and a lot of things that there's a lot of myths and misconceptions about the league. Well, not the league, but competition fishing in general, I'll say. And uh, one of the biggest things that I've, from being a spectator in the sport, that I've learned a ton from just watching the sport. And one of the things that, that happens actually by fishing the competitions, you're forced to fish all different waters, yep. all conditions. 
unless there's you know a hurricane blowing through and you're going to be blowing down the river you're going to cancel the competition obviously but chocolate milk flowing down the stream is one of the conditions and i've really learned to by practicing with my son and stuff like that i've really learned to expand my fishing level into an entire season now because i don't look ah that's chocolate milk there's no fish in there yeah definitely that that's probably the biggest thing with competition fishing since i've started doing it that i i've I've really come to enjoy is it it forces you to go out like on days that you normally wouldn't and makes you learn how to fish water that you wouldn't normally fish and it really i mean you know conditions can change things like that and it it really uh it it helps you become it does help you become a better better angler in my opinion because you do you can't pick and choose you can't you know when you're in the water you can't cherry pick and just fish the best looking water you kind of you know make yourself fish you know that you know, real low, real flat water that you, you know, would normally just walk right through. Or, you know, you'll go out and fish on a day when, you know, the rivers are blown out or, you know, when waters are, you know, you know, in the cold of winter or whatever. So I think that's, you know, a huge thing for competition. Or at least that's one of the biggest draws for me even still. So Right. It, it's totally changed my fishing game because, like I said, I've I've had to go out and fish on days. And it's actually made me enjoy fishing the poor water conditions because yeah. I've learned that I fish better in the poor water conditions. And, I like it. Yeah. So it's been a big change for me. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like chocolate milk. I'm not saying chocolate milk. I'm saying the stage right before chocolate milk and the stage right after chocolate milk. It's scary to wade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's another one of the, I think one of the great things about the league and having the league itself is, I mean, the people that we have in our league and the people that are competing it really is a great group of people. Um, you can learn a ton by just coming and watching mm-hmm. or participating. I mean, yep. if you if you have any hesitations about wanting to do this, you don't have to be the best angler in the world to come and do this. I mean, we have all ranges of abilities that, that mm-hmm. compete in our competitions from some of those guys like Pat and Lance and, and Devin um, to people that are brand new to fly fishing in general. Right. And everything in between. And it really helps shorten the learning curve. Most of the people are very, very, very helpful. Um, you know, some of us even will give you some of the flies that we're using, especially if you're new, to try to help you out. Right. So it is really a pretty inclusive group and wouldn't be quite, I mean, you talked about some of the misconceptions. I mean, it's not really as cutthroat as some people would probably think that it, that it would be. Right, that was one of the things with my son getting into it. Like, you guys, actually, Colton's first beat, you controlled Kurt, yeah. Colton on his first beat. Yeah, and uh, and it was high water day. <laughs> it was, it was, and it was, it was a little challenging that day, but... Yeah, but you were so helpful, and you guys really helped him out a lot. He learned a lot from that, and, you know, and I've really enjoyed watching him and how much he's grown this year from doing it, so... There's so much help that can be learned and so many fishing things that can be learned from the other anglers just by watching them and talking to your controller while you're fishing. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, there's a lot of people that are that are an open book with that. I mean, of course, there's some things that people keep to themselves, but oh, yeah. I mean, as far as, you know, helping people, I mean, we want to see everyone be successful and have fun and catch some fish because we, we want everybody to come back. Right. So... Um. Back to the myths and misconceptions. What are some of the biggest ones that you guys have heard over the years um, that people might have insinuated or 
um, just even you just read them not directly at you or even anything the the biggest one that I think that bothers me that I've heard and I've, I've seen on forums and, and everything else has been um, the thought that we are just there to rip fish out of the water and we don't care about the resource that one kind of bothers me a little yeah. bit because yeah, down. we we do have a lot of people that I mean Rich is very active in his in his TU chapter. Um, we have a lot of other people that do different conservation efforts. Like I said, I'm a teacher at uh, one of the local high schools um, with an ecology club that we're going to be doing stream cleanups. I mean, there's a lot of people that are involved in this that that really care deeply about about the environment and about what we're doing to some of the streams and and everything else and. You know, we, we use barbless hooks and make sure that we're releasing fish as quickly as possible. And, you yeah. know, if there's any mishandling of fish, we disqualify people or people's fish for yeah. doing things like that. I mean, we do try to take that as seriously as possible. Absolutely. You know, temperatures end up getting too high. We've canceled sessions or canceled um, competitions before for, for some of those reasons. So that's probably the biggest one that I hear um, that that really seems to bother me the most. It's just really not true. I mean, we also donate money to, to different um, conservation groups and, and do some things there along with stream cleanups. So, Yeah, I mean, why would we want to yeah. waste away of what we're fishing? Like, it, it, at the end of the day, it's not just competition. Like, we compete for a reason. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. that's fun to us. That's, that's the same yeah. level of fun as you going a weekend away and fishing. Yeah. You yeah. know? So why would we want to waste that away? Yeah, when you consider that, like we've said, the the competitions are mostly held in Pennsylvania and New York, and that's where a lot of us live and where a lot of us are from. I mean, these are the streams that are our own backyard. We're not, you know, we wouldn't do that to somebody else's backyard either, but we're definitely not going to try to do something that's going to destroy what we enjoy doing. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, a lack and of knowledge. There's a total lack of knowledge oh, of yeah. the sport, yeah. But like you said about um, people saying that you're hurting the fish and stuff like that, the whole system of your fishing is to get it in as fast as you can, get it scored, yep. get it back in the water so you can catch more fish. Like, for instance, I I got blasted on uh, Facebook one day for fighting a steelhead on a four-weight. I landed the steelhead in under two and a half minutes on video. I had it all on videos under two and a half minutes because of, you know, my my training with the competition style of fishing, turning it, keeping that fish turned, getting it in the net as quick as you can. Yep. People think, you know, people think because you're doing your, your lightweight rods and stuff like that. Well, you're actually, there's so many aspects of it that teach you to preserve that fish, to get it in as quickly as you can, mm -hmm. that they're just jealous. What it comes down to is they're jealous of the numbers you're catching while you're out there. Well, you saw me fish the one... The, the east branch is yeah. the, the clarion one. You, I, I They were in my net in yeah. 0.3 seconds. Great, yep. yep. You have to. Yeah. That's yeah. Just, you got to be efficient. Time That's, time is money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, the fish doesn't do any good while it's in the water. So you got to get it to the net as yeah. well as you can and get it to your controller. Yeah, when you have some people that we compete against that put up some pretty crazy numbers, you mm. don't have five minutes to mess around yeah. landing a 10-inch right. fish. You know, right. You're, you're trying to get it in as quickly as possible. One, because you want to get back to fishing. Right. But two, yeah. you know, we're not, again, we're not there to try to do any unnecessary harm. No. Yep. And that is a wet measurement. 
Yeah, so we do, um, before the competitions, we, we kind of go over some of those those aspects of it to make sure that everybody remembers. You know, we put the trough in the water first, make sure that there's a little bit of water in there with them or with the fish whenever we score them so that they're not getting dried out or anything like that within the PVC. Good. Yep. After you catch a fish, it's got to stay in the water until you get it back to your controller. It's got to stay in the net, so fish has to be wet as much as possible. And even, like, the rules on your nets are geared to the fish's favor. Mm -hmm. So you can't have certain kinds of nets because it takes the slime off the fish and different things like that. It's all to protect the fish, to protect the fishery. Yeah, every, every, pretty much every precaution that can be taken is taken to, to make sure that the, the fish stay safe and unharmed. You know, if you catch a fish, uh, you know, you hook one, you know, by accident or whatever in the pectoral fin or whatever, that fish doesn't count. So, you know, if a foul-hooked fish, if it was, you know, you have to just put it right back in the water immediately. So, yeah, every, every you know, every precaution that can be taken, I think, is taken to make sure the fish are good. Pat, do you have any... Uh Anything from your perspective as probably the least familiar with competition fly fishing in this room? No, not really, because I've spent a lot of time researching it, following these guys on Instagram and Facebook and watching what they're posting. And from there, even going and Googling different things, there's a ton of information out there. And I, I had asked about the wet measurement just because I, I see a lot of guys on Facebook Instagram, laying their fish down on the ground, That's the worst. taping it, and yeah. they're like, hey, I released it. Well, keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah just because it swam away doesn't mean yeah. it's still alive. Exactly. I mean, it's, I think more people need to be more informed. Yeah. How it's done. Yeah. I mean, we squash bugs. Like, if somebody doesn't know how to, to score a fish, like, there's such an easy way to do it that takes, like, nothing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and new people that come, it, that's like one of the first things that if I have a new controller, that's the first thing I teach them. Like I'll take a minute out of my session and be like, here, this is, this is how we do this Yeah. and just show them. And then they usually pick it up. Yep. Otherwise you're having a bad session. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. I mean, some of these sessions are one with 20, 30 fish or more in a, in a two hour time period. And you want your controller to be able to measure those fish and get them back in the water as fast as possible because if Rich's controller is doing that in a minute and a half, my controller is doing that in three and a half minutes, well, that's two minutes per fish. If I caught 20 fish, there's 40 minutes out of my session that I'm standing over there. Yep. You know, that's almost half my session that I'm, it's dead time. Yep. So, yep. you know, and we, we don't want to do that to other people that, are compete, that we're competing with. So we try to get those fish measured as quickly as possible and get them back as safely as we can. I, I guess one of the other myths or whatever is all the rules to it. And there's a lot of rules like why do you need that one and leaders and different things like that. And just keeping up with all of it, that's been a challenge as a new person coming into it. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of rules uh, to, to competitive fishing and you know, uh, it's not not a super hard thing. You know, the, the rule book's not that thick. You know, you go through it and you, you read it. And, you know, certainly, you know, during your session, if you have a question on a rule or something like that, if you ask, you know, a, you know, a veteran competitor, you know, your question, they'll, they'll gladly help you. But, you know, uh, you, you can't pick and choose which ones you, you want to follow. But you, you do got to follow the rules. 
Um, but they're not, not overly complicated, and especially, you know, a lot of the minis and stuff like that when you are new and you're, you know, you're worried about the rules and stuff like that, those one-day minis are great because it, you know, they're more relaxed, they're not worth a whole lot of points or whatever, so, you know, people are, are you very, you know, willing to especially help you and, you know, take extra time to make sure you, you got a good grasp on everything at those. Cause the rules are important, um, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, super good about making sure you, you know what's what. I mean, it's a, it, it is a sport, and every sport has their, their rules and their guidelines that you follow by to try to keep everything as close to an even playing field as possible. And, you know, we, we use the FIPS uh, rule book for ours. Um, that's what Team USA uses for theirs, and that's what happens at the, the world events. And, you know, I, I would like to think that we're basically – helping to prepare people and helping people to get that extra practice in for the Team USA events and for, you know, if that is their their aspiration to make the team, um, you know, helping to be able to get them uh, the experience that they need. So why go with a different rule book? You know, right. we just follow the same thing that everybody else, you know, that, that competes at those high levels does. So Once you get used to, I'll start back on. So if you're a brand new guy and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, where can I go online to see the rules? Where do you find them? You can, if you do a Google, you'll, you'll get, uh, you know, a link to the FIPS rule book. And we, I think we have one on the NFFL site. Yeah, there is. Yeah. There's, if you go onto the NFFL or the national, nationalflyfishing.org, um, and you go into the, the league page there, uh, there is a link right out at the top that, that okay. would take you to the, the FIPS rule book. Yep. It's not, like, once you learn it, it doesn't change that much. Right. Like, there's things that are, there's more, like, allowances, kind of, uh, every year. But once you get used to it, like, you, I mean, depending on how disciplined you are at it, mm -hmm. like, you don't, it's not hard to follow. They're not yeah. hard to follow. And most of them are pretty simple things. I mean, it's got to be barbless hooks. Your flies have to be 50 centimeters apart. Your knots have to be 30 centimeters apart, which is 20 inches apart or 12, roughly 20 inches apart or 12 inches apart. Your leader can't be longer than twice the length of your rod or up to, what is it, 22 feet? 22 feet, feet yeah. So, I mean, th those are, you know, those are some of the, the main things. No split shot. All the weight has to be contained within the fly. Um... You know, there, there's, I guess, your, your 12 commandments or whatever you yeah, want to call yeah. them. You know, there, there's the basic ones that come up. You know, some of the other ones we don't really see or have to deal with. But those are, those are pretty much, if you're starting off with that, you're already on a pretty good track. So if anyone is listening to this that knows the answer to this, please let me know. Why can't we have backs on our seats for the boats? <laughs> so if anyone out there that knows, you know, the ins and outs of the FIPS rules, could you please tell me why we can't have backs on the seats? I think it's, uh, I think it's a, we, we've had them before when everybody had them, correct? That was at our comp. I, I believe so, but that may have been a, a modification or oh. something that we I thought it was like one of those, one of those fair things, like the the motor thing like it's not sure you can't use them unless everybody's using them just like you bring a candy to class did you bring enough for the rest of the class right um <laughs> or your 18 horse is really a 30 horse with an 18 horsepower sticker <laughs> what that's yeah, a, that'd that, be a problem yeah. be awesome. <laughs> that, that's a different competition sorry that's yeah. bass fishing yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, that wouldn't be us. That'd be great, though. You get <laughs> yeah. right out there. Yeah, you'd cover a lot more water. Push a big wake out there. <laughs> yeah. Push all the other boats over. Well, that would put a good bob to your fly in the water. That's how you dry drop. Yeah. yeah. Just leave it out there. Third on the other, third on the drogue side. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a different thing there. Like we were talking earlier, fishing lakes. There's a whole lot of different. There's rules in itself to lake fishing on top oh, of boy. it. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's the twelve commandments of lakes, as well. Yeah, a lot of the things. I mean, you still have a lot of the same things. I mean, a couple ones that tend to come into play a little bit more so with the lakes is your, your net can't be longer than 48 inches. That goes for all competitions, but, I mean, you can definitely see how there could be a little bit of an advantage there. Um, hmm. You know, that that's one that comes in. Uh, sometimes the fish are jumping a little bit and you're pulling them. If it jumps and flops into the boat, like, you got to present it to the controller in the net. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's some, some funny things that end up happening sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I saw it happen. Um, <laughs> That's but, where most of the mistakes happen. Well, you don't really see them on the river. It's more so in the lakes because people don't know. Mm-hmm. Or they know. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything else, you know. You have people that try to push the envelope and, you know, trying to get a competitive advantage. And that's why we have what we have and why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. So what's the plan moving forward with the league? Well, I mean, this year our, our schedule is up, and, and one thing that's about the, the schedule that's on the, the league website is it, it's always open to change. So we, we talked about, and, and Nick had mentioned, about if you wanted to get into hosting a comp, anyone that wants to host the competition can. They just need to be a member of the league, um, and then basically you submit your plans for your competition to, to our board um, or my, myself. And as long as everything looks like it's fitting the rules, we we put it on the website and sanction it, and it counts. Um, so there are competitions that are coming up. In fact, I've been slacking a little bit. Rich has already said he wants to put one on uh, what the East Branch on August 18th, I think, yeah, right? It's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look at the date here. It's, it's a Sunday in August, uh, so we're going to do that. And uh, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try for the lake again this year, too. Um, so I'll get everything finalized for that. I, I, I'm going to look at the schedule again uh, to see what, what we're looking like for, for dates in, in the spring. But I'm going to try to do the uh, Parker Dam or Parker Lake hopefully in May or early June if possible. So last year, you know, interest was very limited. I tried to do it in October. Um, so we're going to try it for in the spring this year, I think. Uh, and East Branch of the Clarion is going to be Sunday, August 18th. Um, so I'm going to do that. And thinking of other ones too i just uh, I, I don't have anything set in stone yet for other other comps but um those two i'm going to try to do this year for sure yeah so my my point in bringing bringing that part of it up is the fact that you know keep an eye on the on yeah. the schedule because we they constantly add up. things yeah. um as of right now the pa regional i think is the only one that is posted on uh, our league website for the Team USA events, and we know that there's going to be more of those coming yeah. up within the cycle or within this year too. So um, we're adding more to it. Uh, we, like Richard said earlier, we are trying to find some some new venues too to try to keep things fresh and, and keep it interesting uh, for everybody as well. It's a great opportunity to do because one of the things 
like I said, with my son fishing it, the two competitions he fished just two waters that we didn't even know of, and uh, Kish Creek and East Branch. And East Branch is just beautiful fishing. It is. It's, it's, yeah, it's a little gem tucked in there. Yeah, your scenery. It's yeah. almost like you feel like you're out west fishing somewhere on a small stream. Yep. So it just gives you opportunities to fish things you didn't know about, places you didn't know. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you get to learn some new water, get to meet some new people. And, I yeah. mean, that, that I think is one of the biggest benefits that we've had is I, I've always fished by myself. You know, I spent a lot of time fishing by myself. And mm-hmm. now there's probably a list of at least, yeah. I mean, one, I'm, I'm on a team with about 12 to 14 other anglers. But, you know, there, there's a list of at least 20 people that I could probably call up today. Yeah. And right. be like, hey, you want to go fish next weekend? And exactly. yep. I have people to go fish with now. So, yep. Yeah, I will say I don't want to forget to mention, but these uh, our competitions are all insured. We all we have insurance to yeah. do them. So if you do, you know, want to participate or even set one up. So Ben mentioned um, everything has to be run through the league. So the reason is is just for that. So you have to get it permitted through the state, and the state needs the insurance information to to actually do it. It's it's a weird thing, but but I will mention that that it is it is insured and it is kind of state known that we that we do this and that's not every yeah. state but and I, with with mine that I hosted on the East Branch I, I took all the score sheets and I sent them to, to fish and boat because I I mean I don't know that they'll use the data for sure but I think they'd at least appreciate looking at it so I I did submit all that to the state and we you know kind of have a you know had a line of communication open there and same thing with the one I did the least had permitted for the lake I you know I was in contact with people there so. I think I think Fish and Boat does appreciate the data that we collect. Yeah, depending so, on which venue it is. Yeah. I mean, they do specifically ask for that sometimes, and um, you know, unfortunately, the couple that that they have specifically asked for me this past year with the way that the rain has been. Right. We ended up having to cancel some or not not use some of the venues that we were going to use that they that they had asked for um, fish information from. But, right. You know, some for some of the venues that is one of the requirements of the permit is that you report uh, a catch report um yeah. so and if you and if anyone is interested in hosting one uh if you go to the the fish and boat website uh, and, uh you, you in their search bar you can just type in like event permit and it'll be the first thing that comes up it's like a pdf you print it out fill it out and send it to them and the, you'll get the permit back in the mail uh it's free to host them right unless it's at a state park but yeah, yeah. some of those yeah. have their, they have their processing fees for that yeah, well, that's got to be a first. Something's free for the fish commission. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not bad. No, yeah. never really any hassles. It's yeah, it's it's an easy. You know, it, I shouldn't say easy, but it, it it is it is you know somewhat of an easy thing to do if someone is interested in hosting one. You know, we're we're happy to lend information when we can. So. Yeah, and if you have any questions about anything like that, you can always contact. Yeah. Really, any of us on the board, but yeah, uh, especially me, I I'll be able to help you out with a lot of that. Cool. So if somebody wanted to not only host a competition, but compete, they might be new. Um, they might be a, a new angler. They might be an old angler. They might be a, a, a teenager or, or young kid. Where would they go? What would they do? So I, I mentioned the, the website that we have um, earlier. It's, the nation, it's nationalflyfishing.org. Um, you can go there. Uh, there's a place for a contact form. 
uh, down at the bottom you can go ahead and click on contact us and that ends up getting sent directly to myself uh, and I try to respond to that as, as quickly as possible. Um, we also have a Facebook page uh, that people can send us messages at, at any point in time and one of the board members will, will get back to them pretty quickly with any answers or anything like that that we can do um, to help out. Um, you can also message me personally or probably anybody that's on the board will we'll get back. Um, Nick, you know, you're, you're on there, so I'm going to volunteer you for that too. So. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're usually pretty good about getting back to people fairly quickly um, with the answers and, you know, anything you guys need or any questions you have, you know, we'll be able to help you out. No, I may be mistaken, but you can also, when you get on to fly comps to look for the competitions, you can also get to your link from there too to, to join, correct? Yes. So, so yeah, if you're. There's a link for the, for the league there that'll take you to the, to the website as well. Right. Anything else from you guys, Pat? Anything? No, I'm good. Yeah, I think we covered a lot. Good information. I think we covered a lot about it today. Um, anything you guys want to add before we go? think so no i just i mean we've we've been pretty lucky so far we've had a lot of new faces already signing up for for 2019 we're pretty excited about that um you know hopefully we get to continue to grow and see some more people and you know like i said if you have any questions even if it's something about technique related you know feel free to to message me i'll try to get back to you as, as quickly as i can awesome Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks a lot for Appreciate joining it. us. And like they said, reach out to them and uh, just check out the different social media aspects that they said about on Facebook and Instagram and also their website at fly, na, nationalflyfishing.org. So thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time. listening to this episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you in part by HolsingersFlyShop.com and Trotted Goods. We truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to our show. If you enjoyed the show, please take a second to smash the like button and subscribe to us. You can find our show on popular podcast apps like Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Until next time, keep your tip up and tight lines.